Welcome to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the radio show and podcast featuring your physician host, Dr. Tom McGovern. And I'm Dr. Chris Stroud, where we and our guests discuss relevant health-related topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. Today, our guest will be Kathleen Eaton-Bravo, who I had the pleasure of meeting at the Napa Institute in California this past July. She is the founder and president of a network of a, a new concept in crisis pregnancy centers, which are actually more than crisis pregnancy centers. But before we get to the interview... Well, Tom, let's talk about some, or let's revisit some skills when talking about difficult topics. You know, we had a wonderful guest, Pete Colosi, recently with us, the second time he's been on Dr. Doctor, yes. and he gave us some great tools and background from his method that he calls, you know, speaking with charity and clarity. And our friends at Catholic Answers, who I always love referencing, they have six rules for dealing with non-Catholic family and friends. It doesn't get much more difficult than that. No, and the same principles can be used when we're talking about the issue of abortion or a, a woman with a an unplanned pregnancy. Absolutely. And we're entering the political season right now, and so we're going to find ourselves increasingly talking with people we disagree with on a lot of topics. So these, uh, I think these skills will come in very handy. Rule number one is don't argue. <laughs> when somebody pushes you your tendency is to push back. So if we're arguing, we're not discussing, and we're not going to change anyone's position if we're arguing. And what do they mean by argue? You know, the idea, sort of this uh, action-reaction. If I walk up to you and I push you, your instinct is to want to push me back. Yes. So if I attack you verbally, you're going to want to retaliate verbally. It's a very natural thing to do. So instead, you, you know, react in a way without agreeing or disagreeing. And the only way you can do that is by asking a question. Yeah. Particularly questions that start with what or how, as I recently learned. Because a why can often be somewhat threatening, but a what and a how is less threatening. So what's the reason may be equivalent to a why, but it's less threatening. And I think something we learned also from listening to Pete was listen. Ask a question and then listen. We also heard that from the president of Students for Life. Yes. Ask questions and then listen to the answers. Yes. Yeah, we all need to be better listeners, don't we? Point two. <laughs> Rule number two, love them more than ever. Now, that's getting, that's getting ridiculous, isn't and it? And personal. <laughs> <laughs> so love is the one argument that no one can resist. So the harder the discussion, the harder the disagreement, uh, the more entrenched one finds themselves and finds themselves in one position, love the other and love them more and harder. You know, someone at our office put this, you know, thought for the day up once and it said, someone will probably forget what you said to them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Oh, amen. That's beautiful. Yeah, point number three, pray and make sacrifices. Uh, so it seems like common sense, but we often, you know, spend time on our fuming and creating imagery and arguments in our heads. We really should take that energy, put it into serious prayer. I think this really comes if we're trying to change somebody's heart. We're, we're probably not going to do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to change that person's heart. Uh, and in many cases, maybe to use us as a tool to make that change without our own assistance, but just to use us as a tool. And prayer is so much more useful than spending time worrying or being angry. I mean, it only hurt, hurts us. Right. Planning pithy comments, that time should be spent in praying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah, so rule number four, you're going to like this one. Study the Catholic faith. Ooh. So we've got to be better catechized, don't we? Uh, we have to be able to explain, uh, as St. As Peter says, uh, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. So know why we believe what we believe. Amen. Rule number five, show the Lord's joy in your life. The greatest way to be an example to someone is be an example to someone. <laughs> Instead of telling them how they ought to live without telling anything, we should show them how we live. Why is he so joyful? The person is going to ask. What does he have that I don't have? Uh, and then that gives us a chance to talk to them. I like the phrase, moths are attracted to the light. Yes, and, and so are most people. Uh, and to rule joy. number six, 
ask God to bring someone else to influence him or her for the faith or for whatever you're trying to change them, since this person won't listen to you. Now, that requires somebody like me, not like you, Tom, but somebody like me with a big ego. I've got to be willing to step back and say, <laughs> God, I must not be the right one I, for I don't this think we argument. should have an ego-sized competition here, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it could get bloody. We have to be willing to say, God, I may not be right for this job, and so I pray that you bring someone else yes. in. I'm going to step back. That's hard to do. That's often a, a great prayer that people pray for their children or another family member because often it seems like family members are the ones least likely to convert another family member. So we pray for others to do it. Absolutely. We have a trivia question just for this particular show. And the trivia question has to bring together the concept of, uh, of abortion, crisis pregnancies, and medicine. So here it is. We're all familiar, almost all familiar, with the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision handed down January 22, 1973. Most of us know it was a seven-to-do decision among the, the nine justices. Many people may even know that Harry Blackman wrote the um, concurring opinion, the, the majority opinion. But in what medical facility did he research and write this opinion? And as a hint, I actually spent many, many hours studying in that very place. So if you're a Tom McGovern groupie, you Please don't the, be. I hope the there's answer. no such thing. But anyway, we will be back with the interview that I did on site in Napa, California in late July of this year here on Dr. Doctor. Here we are on a special episode of Dr. Doctor. We're actually recording from the Napa Institute in Napa, California, and I have the pleasure of sitting with Kathleen Eaton Bravo, the founder and CEO of Obria Group and Obria Medical Clinics. We're going to learn about a new model of crisis pregnancy centers that goes beyond what most of us have known for the last several decades. Kathleen, welcome to Dr. Doctor. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Kathleen, I am told that you have an incredible story of how you got into this movement that started on a very sad day some years ago. Yes. I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. We don't really go into it, but it was, a it was tough. And I left at about 15 and a half years old. And, I, I, well, let's just say my favorite movie was Gone with the Wind. I remember when Scarlett <laughs> Hera was in the garden after everything in the war, and she pulled out a carrot, and she said, as God is my witness, I will never go hungry again. I was a young girl. I said, as God is my witness, I will never be poor again. And at 15 and a half? Fi no, actually much earlier. I think it was about 12. Wow. Yeah. And um, so that's a different story about what I went through being poor in, um, in a Catholic school and how you're picked on, sort of that bullying. Yes. And, but fast forward, I really did make that my, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I, I am going to make money. I go to school. I, I work hard. I'm working four jobs. I started working full-time actually when I was 13. And I walked away from my faith and just really went up, you know, I went to work for AT&T and started going up the corporate ladder pretty quickly and decided to go back to school and start my own company. At the same time, I was going through a divorce. I had a one-year-old uh, little boy going through a divorce and out on the job, you know, flirting with someone at the job um, when it was a one-night stand and I got pregnant. You know, it's interesting In how you talk 20s? about. Yeah, I was actually no, I was yeah, I was 28 by that okay. time. So I was 28 years old, and um, so, you know, I had no God hadn't been in my life for eight years, and so it was like an easy thing. I didn't really there wasn't a lot about abortion then, but of course Planned Parenthood was out there. I just didn't pay attention to it. But I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy, and I worked for I ran 300 men that were splicers and linemen for the phone company, and I was the first woman put out there. So I would have <laughs> lost my job, you know, um, pregnant, and I just didn't even think about it. And I found a Planned Parenthood. I did not have the abortion there, but I went in for um, 15 minutes of counseling, which was not counseling. Um, they said they had an opening, but I had a meeting. So the next day I was on the job and I saw Family Planning Associates, which is a, a for-profit abortion. And I went in, I, I was at work and I crossed the street and they said, we can take you in right now. But because I drove myself, I had no, no medication. It was horrific. I was screaming, it was the most pain walked out the back door, sat on the curb, because I always say God has a sense of humor. <laughs> I had a flat tire on my car. Um, Which you didn't know going in. 
No. But so it was I, there when you came out. When I came out, well, it wasn't there when I went in. I parked it and walked in and came out the hmm. back door, and I had a flat tire. So what Just happened? a coincidence, Just right? a coincidence. <laughs> and this Irish, you know, Catholic, lost but determined woman to, you know, had the BMW, already had the big house, the one child, you know, I was on my way. And um, I walked out the back, sat on the curb, and the pain of what I went through was so severe. And... But then what happened is the pain moved into my heart, and it was so God. And I just said, God, they say that you always know us. I don't know you. I don't know you. But right now, I need you. And I started crying, wailing, I mean, just rocking. I was in pain, but everything hurt, you know, my mind, body, and spirit. And, um, and as I don't know how to say it, but God held me on that curb for a half an hour um just held me and that was really i knew that he was there now i didn't jump up and change my life at that but there moment was a moment of grace but it was a moment that you but it was could that always moment yes and point to mm-hmm. so they say in the media that things like this don't happen to women who have abortions they don't regret yes. it mm-hmm. well this is what i say I've been in this movement now, as I just shared, 39 years. And I've met a lot of women that come in that say that um, or believe that because that's what other people tell them. Yes. But in my experience, my personal experience over 39 years, which has been a lot, I don't believe a woman could have an abortion and walk away and pretend it didn't happen. And I think when you see the other side saying, I, you know, I'm thankful for my abortion, yes. you this whole movement... Women would not say that. So you either become adamantly pro-abortion yes, or wholeheartedly pro-life because there's just not that many fence sitters. You cannot go through what I went through and sit on a fence and say, it didn't bother me. Now, they might say it, um, and I said it for a year. Oh, um, even though you had that experience oh, yes. on the curb. Yes. I, I, Why did you say that? Well, because I got up off that curb, I got in, they fixed my tire, I got in the car, and I just went on, I thought I was going to go on with my life, but, um, so here's the adversity part, I had the abortion, I, the divorce went through, he filed for custody of my son, I quit my job, I, I won, but custody. it was of my son, yeah, and, um, but I quit my job, and, I, I thought went, you got the abortion to, to keep, keep my your job. job. Everything that I that I thought I was saving, but it was interesting when I was on that curb, and when I was praying, and I said, "Okay, God," or talking to God. I wasn't really praying; I was just talking. You know, the pain and through the pain, and I said, "You know, I'm not gonna." buy into this thing about this is wrong I'm, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to do the suffering and I'm going to say I'm sorry and you're <laughs> going to forgive me and I said but if you bring me one woman if you bring me just one woman that I can talk to her like I wasn't yes. talked to and tell her you don't have to do this that you have options Ooh. and I can find those options for her then I can forgive myself Ooh, you open the door I just a little and, and that's almost yeah. reminds me of Mother Teresa saying she just started with one person lying wow. in the street. Well, I didn't know that then, but no, I've you since. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds similar. Yeah, yeah. It was. And, um, but, but you weren't in the habit at the but time. But I think Mother Teresa actually was doing it and lived that life. I, on exactly. the other hand, um, <laughs> hit rock bottom. Yes. I lost everything. But you even said that at rock bottom, which is mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. A lot of grace. Yes. And I, I was uh, hanging out with a bunch of people at a bar and met a man and he made me laugh. And a couple months later, we, you know, we were in a relationship um, and he said let's get married and I said why not and I got married and we were married 25 years he actually came into the church but it was a very um, he, he, he I married my father and uh, <laughs> you know it was very abusive but I stayed but it, it but when I got into that and then I realized I want to go back to school I want to start my own company so ended up, he was from Oklahoma, so we ended up in Oklahoma City at the end of that year on Halloween, and I had that dark night of the soul, and I was sitting in the kitchen of this house, we bought this little house, and, and um, but that first night I sat with my feet in the sink, and looking out, I mean, Oklahoma City in October, 
it's like, I'm thinking, what have I done? <laughs> what am I doing here? Who is this man? He'd already abused me a few times. Oh. And I knew that I just, I just didn't want to live. And I thought, well, you know, Christopher will go back to his dad and it would be better for him anyway. And I'm, I'm just going to end my life. Oh. And I was that. It was really that darkest night. And I sat there all night long crying and just figuring out how I was going to end my life. And, um, and when I got up, out of the, in the, the sun came up and, and it was just, my, I say it's my guardian angel, and said, you know, maybe I should just go to church first. I hadn't been inside a church oh, in years. okay, yes. And so I did. And so you're still late 20s? I was still, by that time, I was about 29. You know, okay. we were in Oklahoma. It was about a year and a half later. And um, so I went in and I told my husband, I'm, I found this little church close by. I'm going to go to church. And he said, you know, well, don't let the door hit you in the behind when you leave, you know, basically. And <laughs> thought I was crazy. And so I went to church. And um, Yeah, I heard that you got bookended in your pew. Bookended. Bookended, three pews up. And, um, and I was absolutely sobbing. I mean, it was... It was a really pretty church, and I'm in Oklahoma City, so I'm half sobbing because why didn't I go the other way? What am I doing sitting here? Sure. And, and it was that feeling of I want to escape, you know, that Satan is saying get yes. out and run, and I literally, but the only way I could do it would be climb over the pews because on either side of me, and to this day I say there were angels, there was a, an older woman, an old woman, and they just kept kneeling and praying, and I'm thinking, okay, I can climb behind them, and then they, you know, you had to sit they wouldn't down. Let you, so this is the end of Mass, they wouldn't let yeah, you out of the pews. Yeah, it was pews. the end of Mass. Yes. And so I had been there, everybody went to communion, they stayed, I'm going, what old ladies don't go to communion? <laughs> you know, what is with this woman? And of course, I, th- I actually think what it was is I was crying. I was so distraught that I actually think they were praying for me and decided just to stay there that this, there's something wrong. I mean, I was so distraught. And, and at the end of Mass, Mass Father Poopius, who actually just passed away, and he said, you know, would everybody please sit down? You know, we have a speaker. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? I just need to get out of here. And um, a woman went up. She said, my name is, Bar- I'm in Oklahoma City, and she's, and she's still working in the product movement. Wow. She goes, my name is Barbara Chisco, and I run a pregnancy resource center, which I'd never heard of. And we just basically reach out a hand and help women that are in unplanned pregnancy, offering them alternatives to abortion. So that's the story. Sitting on that curb, I met this man, got married, moved to Oklahoma City, went to Mass. Barbara Chisco just happened to speak at that Mass at that church. Another coincidence. And I went up that after Mass, and I said, I, I think I want to help. She told me then, she looked in my eyes and my face and knew what it was. And so she says, well, but we have a training tonight at one of our... I said, tonight? tonight? Sunday night? <laughs> I think she called everybody and said, and this girl needs help. There's going to be a training. <laughs> and that was the beginning. I volunteered there at the Crisis Pregnancy Center for almost four years until... Um, God brought me back to California, and uh, then that story continues a little bit further than that. But that's how I, my adversity, I mean, my pain and my, you know, started, God started, God started the process of living up, me living up to what I said to him, bring me one woman. And, uh, you know, I think somewhere around 250,000 now, I think, that have come in through the doors of places. Wow. That, yeah. Well, that has been a stimulating discussion. That fills our first part of the interview. We're going to take a brief break and we'll be right back with more on Dr. Doctor. You've done a great job giving the, yes. the background. I mean, mm-hmm. our listeners have to be just loving this. Well, now fast forward. Yes. Where does Obria start? Well, you know, I, I went back to California scratching and clawing um, that I didn't want to go, that I'd found my peace. I didn't, want to, I didn't have a happy life in California. I wanted to stay there. I, I just felt loved. I loved my church. I loved Father Pupius. I, I was in a renewed group. I, you know, my husband came into church. It was just I needed to be there, and God called us back various reasons. And so um, headed back. <laughs> Uh, I made uh, I, I started going to the mission San Juan Capistrano and there was a Crucio group there and they they asked me to go to a Crucio weekend 
And the Christio weekend, Father Ray said, the, the theme, I usually don't do themes, but the theme this weekend that God put in my heart is sometimes God doesn't give you an option. I'll never forget it. And I'm going, okay, whatever. I loved my Christio weekend. I was a little mm-hmm. stubborn. I didn't embrace, I didn't jump in, but I actually was very active at Christio for about a 10, 10 years after that. So come back Sunday night and there's boxes on the front porch. And I'm thinking, so I had been contacted by a pregnancy resource center, a birthright Very in good. Mission Viejo. That oh, birthright. Barbara, yes, yeah. I'm familiar with yes. birthright. So um, they were closing, and they wanted me to keep it open. And I said, no, I, I told God I would do this. I did three years over there. I, I helped a lot of women. I've done, I've done what I said I was going to do. I'm starting my own company. My husband was injured, so I was the, he was the stay-at-home dad, and I was the worker bee and I wanted to start my own company and so I'd gone to Christina and came back and here's all these boxes and I opened up an envelope stuck to it and he says Kathleen I tried to convince you to come in and take this on and and save it and you wouldn't do it so I put the 501c3 the nonprofit corporate yes. number in your name I put the bank account in your name by the way there's $34 in the bank <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah I um I disconnected you know the rent is due there's one volunteer left um our, our lease is almost up, but you probably don't want to stay there anyway, and you'll see why when you see the offices. And she said, good luck. I'm, I disconnected the phone, and good luck. I'm moving to St. Louis. <laughs> so basically, I'm starting my company, and but you don't make any money when you start a company. So I'm doing daycare. So I had four two-year-olds. Now, one of them was mine and my baby that I'd had. And then I had three other little two-year-old boys, and I'm feeding them, and they're in high chairs. So Monday morning, and I'm so mad, I'm kicking the boxes, and then it kept saying, Father Ray, sometimes God doesn't give you an option. I said, no, God, no, 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 you gave us a free will, and my option is <laughs> yes. no. Yes. So my husband said, well, put him in the back room, and let's just move forward. And I said, great. And I shut the door on the back room, <laughs> put it far back in the closet. Monday morning, that was Sunday night, Monday morning, about the, the babies were being fed, and I had my baby little one in my arm, and the other ones I'm feeding, you know. Yes. And um, the phone rings, and it was about 8 o'clock. And, I, you know, you go to Christina, and you're up four days, you're in this retreat, and you're, like, yes. exhausted. And so I pick up the phone, and this woman is screaming, my best friend, and screaming, my best friends. She's got a 16-year-old daughter. She's six, almost six months pregnant. She's sh- sending her to uh, an abortion clinic in Kansas, which was Dr. Tiller's, yes, which yes. I had prayed outside that abortion yes. clinic just six months earlier before I came back from Oklahoma. And um, they're going to put her on a plane all by herself. You've got to do something. You have to call her. And I'm like in a fog. And finally I said to her, ma'am, stop screaming at the phone. And I have to figure out what you're saying here. Um, you're, why did you call me about um, your, your friend having an abortion? I don't even know who you are. And she goes, well, I got the phone number. And I said, what phone number? And she said, 3643928, which was the phone number of the pregnancy center. Sue didn't disconnect the phone. She forwarded it to my home. <laughs> yeah. And that was You the didn't start. have a choice. Okay. That's I, where it started. Well, to get up today, we're yep. going to have to do some fast forwarding. We are. This is that was great all, that's all. That, that's all. Now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not because there's yeah. a lot of recent yes. things that have happened. So when did the first Obria Clinic open? Well, I took over the Birthright Pregnancy Center. I, I then um, opened up three more. So we had four, and I still ran, started my, my for-profit company, which supported my family. So... I ran those for 18 years in the Orange County area wow. of California. And it was a pregnancy resource center. Back yes. then, we, d- we didn't, the, the ultrasounds hadn't come onto the scene at right. that point. My husband died, um, and a year before he died, we lost everything. The, the home, the beautiful home we'd bought, the, you know, the boat out at the lake, all the stuff that we thought was important. My boys were in Catholic school, which was very expensive. They were volleyball players, so that was expensive club volleyball. Yes. And overnight, I lost everything. I ended up driving up to the Carmelite sisters, and they prayed with me. And, and basically, anyway, fast forward, um, I went back, closed my for-profit, and um, went over to the board and said, I'd like to come on as an employee my last son is still in high school and the other two are in college and um, I need to make a living but I'd like to take these pregnancy centers medical and I'd really like to raise up some type of an alternative clinic here in Orange County that women could come to instead of going into a Planned Parenthood and by the end of 2006 those three at that time uh, pregnancy resource centers 
became licensed medical clinics in the state of California. So I went to the, you know, Sacramento and got the licensing and did the applications and we became a licensed medical clinic. Is that when you changed the name? We changed it to Birth Choice and we then, the ultrasounds came, the Knights got the ultrasounds and then we started continuing into more comprehensive care. So how does licensed medical clinic Mm -hmm. differ from what it was before? Well, in California, um, that's a good question and I'm glad you asked that. Um, In California, um, pregnancy resource centers could be pregnancy resource centers and hand out resources. But if they did a pregnancy test yes. in the office, um, they they had to be because in California there was a law to stop the pregnancy centers sure. from going. You know, into they basically said um, if you do a pregnancy resource center in your office, that's a medical test. You have to be a licensed medical clinic. Even though you can buy it over the counter. Absolutely. Well, that time you couldn't. Okay. It, it was not. It was okay. getting, it was pretty close to that. But I'm thinking at that point, I might be wrong, but I think it was right around that time you could. But okay. it, but they were still coming. And um, so we had to become a medical clinic just to run a pregnancy test. Well, then ultrasounds, and then you had to become, if you were doing pregnancy tests, Did you have to have a physician staff it? No. no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. You didn't even have to really have nurses. You Most of us just had um, the uh, trained sonographer come in once okay. a week or once every other week or was on call if a girl wanted an ultrasound. So when did it become Obria? I After we became licensed, we brought in a branding company, hired mm-hmm. them. So it had to be around 2008. And we started looking at names, but that was sort of on the side. But what we did on the board at that time, about 2008, 2009, we formed a committee, a vision and strategy committee and on mm-hmm. the board to look at the possibility of taking our model, which by that time we had expanded our medical services, um, and we really defined ourselves as we were not a pregnancy resource center. We were um, a women's health clinic. Now, weren't there other clinics like that in the country, or were those? Because there were other places doing ultrasounds and pregnancy tests. Right. So at this point, was it different than other clinics? Yes, yes. I think part of it because... um, we went to the next step, and we we grew this through this strategic plan, and we started creating our own medical manuals, our own process. We expanded into STI testing and treatment, sexually transmitted yes. infection or disease, STD, STI, and treatment. Uh, we weren't doing treatment. A lot of them do STI testing, but we thought, well, we'll just do testing and tell them, and then we'll counsel them. Well, then they say, okay, well, I need you to take care of me. And I said, well, we don't really have medical services to treat you. Um, but I can recommend you to a doctor. And they said, forget that. I'm going to go back to Planned Parenthood. So they go to Planned Parenthood, and Planned Parenthood says, well, we don't accept their testing, you know, the lab test. You have to be retested, and they got really mad. And so one of them came back in screaming and said, you know, it didn't cost me anything, but, you know, I did this testing, and I went over there, and they said that you're a fake clinic, and I had to redo it all over again, and I'm just bad because if you guys are a fake clinic, I'm going to make sure everybody knows. It was all the way back to then. And, but then I knew she was right. If we're going to do testing, we have to do treatment. And if we're going to bring nurses in to do treatment, we brought, we might as well bring in nurse practitioners and start doing well woman care and pap smears. And 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 when did that start? And that was about 2000. The vision strategy was 2009 to 2011. And so we started that process of rebranding, um, to, uh, why Obria people say, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. But we wanted one word. We did focus groups on birth choice. On, uh, on, it has uh, to, OB at the beginning. It has OB. But it's funny thing is that really didn't hit me at the beginning. It yeah. was not until we were actually creating what does the OBIA brand look like that when the designer came back, the OB was one color and the RIA was another. Yes. And I said, oh, why did I not see that? <laughs> and um, so we, uh, there was 10 other words. The board said, well, what were the other, like two, three, and four? I said, I have no idea. I said, I saw OBIA and I'd prayed and prayed. So we took OBIA name out on those university campuses and did focus groups. And it was absolutely, you know, birth choice. They knew it was pro-life. By the, you know, there's everybody, you know, if you look at the pro-life movement, there's birth and choice and alternatives and options. And, right. you know, there's, they all, we all kind of have the same name. I had two of them. And, um, and so on the university campuses, and then we went over to the, um, it, it was a, a Saturday swap meet, but huge for, and it was Hispanic. And we went in there and asked them, and it was exactly the same. I mean, it was like 86. Six percent of them said, "I wouldn't go there. I know what it is. You're just going to take away my right to choose. You're going. You're Christians. You're going to preach at us, and blah blah blah." We went back with Obria, 
and whether you talk to a man or a woman on those university campuses was absolutely 87 percent, 87 to 90 percent said oh it's a great name um i'd go there if i'll look it up online and if it's services that we're looking for i'd go there so obrio was now providing medical care through nurses yes and nurse practitioners and nurse practitioners and this is in 2009 yeah 2010 11. 9 10 11 we sort of were bringing in the you know adding the services how did as this, we raise money <laughs> yes and how did this affect your traffic as you rebranded oh it it was big much bigger but back then remember we didn't really have the social media we have today right. and so a lot of it was still um Going to the high schools, I, we did abstinence education, so we went into a lot of the high schools to do ab- public schools. At that time, we were in there. It wasn't being done by you know the current program, which is written by the LGBTQ and yes. taught by Planned Parenthood. But back then, and then we'd go in, and we'd talk about, here's our clinics, and by that time, we had four. And um, this is the services that we provide. And then we got then we got a mobile clinic from uh, a big evangelical church, and we took it on Cal State Fullerton. And just all we started doing marketing in any way we can in, in you know putting flyers up at the yes. colleges and the high schools, speaking to the nurses, and doing some marketing. So did your traffic increase? Did the satisfaction yes. increase? It increased and it increased and it increased. We strategically located our clinics. So the very first one, the flagship, I moved right across the street from right across the street and in the center where all the, the Starbucks was and all the food yes, centers. Excellent. And it was the, the largest, it's the largest uh, community college in California. And we were right across the street. So now, as the Obria clinics are growing, this law came out in California saying that, quote, crisis pregnancy centers had to advertise for yes. abortion. What year did that happen, and what effect did this have on? Oh your gosh, that had to be what it took three years, I believe, didn't it, to get to the Supreme Court, and that had to be a year. So that had to be five years ago. Okay. Would you say? I would say. I might and what, be what wrong. What effect did this have? Did you have to put a little sign in your windows? No, um, pregnancy centers had to put a bigger sign in their windows. They were hit um, harder than the than us as a medical clinic. Um, we were licensed with the state, and so they we had to put the sign up and it basically said this facility doesn't provide abortion or contraception i think is what it said i can't remember and um and here's a number and it was a number to the health department and the good thing is is i worked closely with the health department who ran the coalition of community mm-hmm. clinics in orange county and i became it took a fight because Planned Parenthood was in there and wouldn't let me in, but sure. I fought it through the Orange County supervisors, and our we became part of the Coalition of Community Clinics. And so I already had a great relationship, a strong relationship with the health department, and they actually liked what we were doing because by that time we were seeing and caring for a lot of women yes. with um, providing was, actual medical care, actual medical care, and our numbers doesn't do and and being on that. Coalition of Community Clinics, there's a TSR grant, I think it's called, but it's the tobacco money grant, and it's based on your numbers. You get funding back by your numbers, so they knew my numbers and they knew we were growing. And um, and our mobile clinic was out there, and it it just was. We just became part of the healthcare system, you know, of of, of that generation. In were Orange you ever, County. ever able to get those signs out of your windows? Well, they weren't in my window; they were on a wall. Okay. Um, interesting enough, and they told you the size and the print, and I put it on a wall in the waiting room. But I put there was nine so I put nine signs on the wall and it was somewhere in the middle (laughs) now millennials at that time they said their attention span is 15 seconds so they're going to read the first one because they really are very you know they're going to look at this one and think so it was the services we provide our our care our commitment to care blah 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 they got to like this it's women care blah 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 and they stopped we hired medical assistants too at that point we actually stopped using any type of non-licensed or non-professional people counseling women on um, health care or abortion or contraception. I brought a business model into our clinics. Um, I was a businesswoman. I knew how to do that. And so I said, if we're going to be a healthcare clinic, it's got to be by the laws of the state of California. And so therefore, we had medical assistants, we had nurses, nurse practitioners, and by that time, then we'd hired part-time doctors. Do your clinics have physicians now? Yes. Yes. All of them? No. Each okay. each Obria affiliate across the country are, are different stages of coming under the old Obria brand. See, they not only have to increase their medical services, hire a full-time nurse practitioner, and then get a, a, 
a uh, contract doctor in if if they want to do prenatal care. See, in my clinics in California, we do prenatal care up now to delivery, which that came from the patients. We have do you a have OB advisory. doctors affiliated OB. with any of your clinics? Yes. So they will do mm -hmm. the deliveries? Yes. Then they'll do, we, we don't do, you know, we take them, we do prenatal care by our nurse practitioner, and that doctor comes and rotates into our clinics up to delivery, and then the doctor delivers at the hospital, but that's, we go up to when they go into labor, and then the doctor but this is more than the vast majority of crisis pregnancy centers. Oh, it's huge. a one-stop one right. shopping, right. essentially. So a lot it, easier for the woman. It is a good... And, and I basically... Not that I'm not proud of the work pregnancy centers are doing, and, and they're wonderful, but it took a lot of work and time and energy to become a fully, uh, you know, accredited. We are triple HC accredited by the Federal Accreditation Board for community clinics and surgery centers. All of our clinics which have is, to go through their accreditation. Which is a big deal. Accreditation is not it's for huge. the faint of heart. No. Okay, so... So, so we're a medical clinic. I'm not a pregnancy center anymore. And we, we the beautiful thing is it's a tripod. You know, we have us, like, we're that mass unit that takes them in. And, yes. And, and then there's the pregnancy centers for the resources and the education arm. And then, of course, there's the church, um, hopefully active with that pregnancy center and the women in the church and the fatherhood initiatives to support. And so together, it's a beautiful tripod of all of us supporting each other. So I'm, some people say I'm against pregnancy centers. I'm, no, I do think that if we own our space and I don't have to do the post-abortive healing and the dad project and all this stuff we're doing prenatal care if they can do it you know the education side of it it frees us up to have six we need to have eight exam rooms in our clinic we need to have nurse practitioners and medical staff um in so, that time so when i say you're one-stop shopping that means from the woman with the crisis pregnancy through her delivery you're providing all the care she needs yes at least medically yes how about emotionally or Definitely. socially interesting and that is a key question right there and that is i believe the thing that we have missed is the mental health side and in today's environment with suicide being the second yes. killer of teens and we're actually working with michaeline friedberg of life perspectives who has a program that's um it's healing from pregnancy loss because she said the research shows that a woman that loses a child through miscarriage or a woman that loses a child through abortion, the suffering and the pain is the same because the one they that lost a miscarriage feels like, what did I do wrong that I can't keep my baby? Could have been a past abortion, oh, you know. Sure. So, so, so mental health is a huge part that we are bringing so in. So let's get into some of the juicy information yeah. <laughs> before we run out, of time, run out of time. And that is... These clinics are now spreading throughout the country. Yes. And what year did you have the first clinic in another state? Um, the first clinic in another state would be, actually, it was Oregon, uh, in Lebanon, Oregon. And she came when we were going through the process, and she said, well, I want to be, but use me as a guinea pig outside of that area. And so she's been, um, from almost the beginning, we started working within the Obria Medical Clinic's model. We had a separate sort of um, group, uh, the Vision Strategy Committee, and this of really looking at this national model. So is this yep. 2010, 12? Yeah, it was. Um, so we launched in 2000, January of 2017, we officially launched. By that time, we already had five clinics, most of them in California, but Lebanon How was one. How many do you have now? Now we have 48. In how many states? In California, Washington, Oregon, Iowa, Georgia, Texas, Florida. I don't think I'm missing Do you some. have applications for others? Yes. And what many. is really exciting is that you're getting some money from some big sources. I've heard yes. somewhere that the bishops are even giving you support. Yes. Actually, back when I said no, 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 um, I, I was, I've had a deep prayer life. And so I said, okay, God. I keep saying no, and I'm running away from this, but it keeps coming back, and doors are opening. But, you know, God, I'm just not feeling in my heart, so I need some big, godly, audacious wow. And so, you know, I need that door to fly open. Mm -hmm. And um, the story isn't important, but, I, but it was kind of funny. Anyway, I ended up at a, the, the Catholic prayer breakfast in L.A., and oh, yes. they didn't have my ticket. And so Kathy and Ellen Lund, who's passed, and dear friends, I said, I drove all the way up here from Orange County, and I would take us like 6 o'clock in the morning, kind of drizzling. Oh, and yeah. the speaker was Cardinal Dolan, so I oh, really great. wanted to hear him. Yes. And so she says, oh, that's okay, a couple at our table. 
um, didn't come and she's at the head table. They put it on. And so next thing I know, I'm sitting next to Cardinal Dolan and he looked at me and he goes, okay, those green eyes and underneath that darker hair, you got to have some red Irish in there. And I said, my name's Kathleen O'Brien. And we hit it off. And uh, it wasn't long after that, that uh, I was asked to go on as a layperson on the USCCB's subcommittee, the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which yes. gives the money away for social justice. So they put this Irish Catholic pro-lifer on the social justice committee. Which has now USCCB. granted some money. Yeah, two and a half million. Well, over what period of time? Uh, 500000 a year for five years. And what are you doing with it? Well, it ended last year, and basically it was to expand our model in California. And I sort of, every year, tweaked it a little more, and we went beyond California. Great. Around 12, yes. And now, not only have the bishops given you money, but yes. even the federal government. Yes. You've got some mm-hmm. Title X funding. Yes. What, we did. Explain to our listeners what Title X means. Um, well, uh, Title X has been the flow of money through Title X to Planned Parenthood um, since the Clinton administration, since the second day he took office. President Clinton ran on, he would overturn President Reagan's shift to move Title X away from abortion clinics. Um, so Title X is basically family planning? It's family planning. And, and it family required... planning is contraception in their world. Right. But... In the money that you are mm-hmm. have now gotten, the yes. first pro-life group ever, ever to get money from Title mm-hmm. X, you have a structure yes. so that you don't have to provide any contraception. Correct. Or refer for abortion, but that, of course, was settled with the Ninth Circuit um, yes. ruling, which was shocking and exciting. But um, and it's the reason why Planned Parenthood, some of them are not yes. accepting money now. Yes, and they're giving it back. So which maybe will end up in your well. We're, we've talked to <laughs> <laughs> we called HHS. What are you doing with that money? I, I think um, it's fantastic. Yes. So, Thank you. So this is to dispel. I know some yes. some people in the Catholic sphere of have thought that, no, you've got to follow the old rules. And the reason is your corporate structure, the Obria Group, Mm -hmm. while would be required to do it, the thing is the Obria Group is just corporate. Yes. It's like I I was thinking, you know, Subway, corporate Subway doesn't make sandwiches. (laughs) Well, you don't provide any medical care. All your subclinics do. Yes. But they are separate 501c3s. They do not have to, under the law, Mm -hmm. provide referrals for abortion or contraception. Right. So I just want to clear the air for people. Clear it up. And um, they are the subgrant. Grantees, the Title X grant is funded differently in each state. It's not this federal government. The federal government gives it to either the state government or to organizations within the state that that, that turn in a grant. In California, the the federal government says no. The Title X funds can go directly to the the grant the people that, that are the grantee. But um, our structure of Obria, I copied Planned Parenthood, so in the long run it was great for us in this Title X. Um, yes. And it's the corporate office. I'm the corporate office. I don't see patients. Our sub And their sub-grantees, the Planned Parenthoods, get the funding, and it's our tax dollars. Title X comes from HHS for um, uh, funding for health care for women, um, mostly in, in poor women, but it can go to any woman. Anybody can go to their clinics at Planned Parenthood. And that money is, um, is, is family planning money through contraception, full hormonal contraception, IUDs, um, uh, the morning after pill. And uh, I'm not sure where RU46 is, is sitting in. I'm, I don't think it's funded. I don't quote me on that one. I don't but think again, it's Obria clinics will not be providing Obria clinics. or Our recommending So the grant was written. I got three days before the grant was due, I got an email. The Respect Life Rule um, was, is approved. I mean, it, it'll be, it, of course, it was brought down again through injunctions. But for that moment, we submitted. And Respect Life Rule clearly states that um, for under the Spec Life Rule, contraception or family planning could be now, is now under our um, subgrantees um, sexual risk avoidance education, fertility education, um, and and medical services to support well women, healthy women, and we did full well woman care. And you had to be on electronic health records, which we were. You had to be billing Medicaid, so we were already so getting Medicaid. We were, it was it was a perfect fit for Obria. How many women do you think have been positively impacted through care by your Obria clinics? Well, you know, I've sort of looked back since I sat on that curb after my abortion that day, um, which was 40 years ago, and looked at the years that I've, you know, 39 years of doing this, and 
And, you know, it's sort of looking, you know, just knowing that I've been so involved in this, I mean, somewhere around 250,000 have come into the pregnancy centers when we were pregnancy centers, then moved into the yes. medical model. In the medical model, our, our numbers are much higher um, because truly, in when I go out and meet with young women, especially college students, um, they don't want to go into a Planned Parenthood. And I think that's why I say they don't, they don't want to go into Planned Parenthood for their well woman care. Well, if they're post-abortive, they don't want to go back to where they aborted their baby. Or and it's not supposed to affect them emotionally. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah, as I shared, there. You know, there's yes. not very many people sitting on a fence. So, it, it, or they're in there and they look around the room. It's it's it tends to be when you're waiting to go in and have an yes. abortion, um, an unhappy place, and that's why you go out the back door. You never go out the. You know, you never leave out the front door because those nobody women would, would walk leave. in. Right. Um, and anyway, um, they suddenly realize that. Um, I don't like being here. And so I have had college students come up to me angry and say, where were you when I needed you? Where were you when I was searching for help in Houston, where I was, and these three women, young women You have up. hit a felt need. Yes. Final question. So here we are. How can women connect with Obria? Well, interesting. Um, go to Obria Direct. So Planned Parent Technology, Technology, Technology. Planned Parenthood launched their online virtual HIPAA-compliant healthcare clinic through telemedicine. So if you don't know about telemedicine, it is the it is not the future anymore. It is here. It's here. Telemedicine yes. apps, which are our online clinics. We've 80, done a show on Catholic telemedicine. There you go. Eighty-seven percent of millennials want their healthcare online. 87% more than that, 90% want to be able to schedule an appointment on that app. So, obriadirect.com. Yeah. Obriadirect. Kathleen, it's just Obria thank Direct. you yes. so much for You're being welcome. Dr. Thank Doctor you. today. Thank you. <laughs> well, welcome back to Dr. Doctor from the studios of Redeemer Radio. And it is time for the answer to the Tom McGovern groupie <laughs> oh, trivia please. question. Oh. <laughs> if you know where Dr. McGovern spent many, many, many years becoming the amazing physician that he is, you'll know the answer to this question. So the, the question is, in what medical facility was the Roe v. Wade opinion written by Harry Blackman? And as I learned when I was in medical school there, Harry Blackman was a member of the board of trustees at the Mayo Clinic, then only located in Rochester, Minnesota. And so he was in the, uh, the Plummer Library, um, named after an early surgeon from the 19-teens, 20s, and 30s. And there were stacks and stacks of medical books, journals at the time. That's where I did a lot of my research. And that... 16, 18 years before I got there is where Harry Blackman did his research for, for Roe v. Wade. I think it's uh, personally a black mark on the history of the Venerable Institution of Mayo Clinic that he did that. But uh, nevertheless, he did his research, Mayo Clinic Library, and wrote it there. You know, we wouldn't be the first to point out, though, that were the discussion to happen again today, the science is so radically different than what Justice Blackman had yes. at, at his fingertips, it's it's easy to imagine that the decision could have been different. Well, even look at what in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, you know, almost 20 years after Roe v. Wade, they didn't resort to any scientific arguments. Uh, they resorted to a woman's right to create reality. Probably a str probably a strategically wise move because the science doesn't support the very some of the fundamental things that were listed in Roe v. Wade. Interesting. Yes. So I found our guest, Kathleen Eaton-Bravo, incredibly energetic. I mean, she's been at this for well over 40 years uh, since her conversion or her reversion, uh, since her own abortion. And now it was so funny. Her husband uh, drove down to the Napa Institute on a Harley, and she flew down to speak, and then she drove back with him. She goes, yeah, I'm a motorcycle girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a contemporary Christian song that I like out now, and part of the verse says, I want to be changed. Yes. You know, I want to be different. I figured this out, and I don't want to be the same old me. And she strikes me as someone who was most definitely changed. Oh, my goodness. From when she had her abortion to working in her first birthright clinic, years ago, to now where her organization is the first one to get government Title X money for a pro-life organization. I mean, people thought it couldn't be done, but it was done and was done in a way that is ethical. Because just to emphasize the point, because there are actually some in the pro-life movement who have been saying that she is cooperating with evil. 
And the way Title X was written is that uh, any grantee had to do contraceptive counseling to their patients. Well, in this instance, the grantee is the Obria Clinic's corporate office, which does no health care, which does not interact with any patients. Then they had sub-grantees. Many of their clinics receive the money. They are not under those rules. So they don't have to counsel at all for contraception or abortion. Thus, they could receive the money, be morally clean, and do great works by offering these women with unplanned pregnancies help from the day they walk in the door with, you know, in tears or shock or anger or whatever emotion they're experiencing until that baby is delivered. They have people that they can trust uh, throughout that journey. That's remarkable. You know, sitting here listening to you, I'm just reminded of so many great things that are happening that we've just been able to witness in the last couple of shows of Dr. Doctor. Oh, yes. Dr. Pete Colosi and teaching people how to talk about difficult things or uh, the, the president of Students for Life where they're actually changing the culture on college campuses uh, to this great woman and the heroic work that, that she's doing. I have to walk away and think, you know, we're winning, and we're going to win. We already know how this story ends, yes. and uh, we're going to win this battle, and we've got to keep fighting. It's easy to be discouraged and listen to the mainstream media, but the reality is these stories that we're hearing, that's the front line of the battle, and we're winning. And the truth is on our side. And although this uh, show is to air the last weekend in September, it's actually a prelude to Respect Life Month in October. So we're going to have several shows like this one dealing with the Respect Life topic. But thank you for listening today to another episode of Dr. Doctor, the official radio program and podcast of the Catholic Medical Association, brought to you from the studios of Redeemer Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Please share the good news of Dr. Doctor with a friend. Invite them to listen on iTunes or Google Play Podcast to any episodes they might have missed. Be sure to tune in next week for your appointment with Dr. Doctor. I'm Dr. Tom McGovern. And I'm Dr. Chris Stroud. We'll see you next time on Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is the official radio program of the Catholic Medical Association, whose members are dedicated to upholding the principles of the Catholic faith in the science and practice of medicine. The views expressed on Dr. Doctor do not necessarily represent those of your co-host or the Catholic Medical Association. Have a question for our doctors or a topic you'd like to hear about? Call or text your question to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598 or fill out the form at redeemerradio.com slash doctor where you can also find all our past episodes. Keep up with the latest from Dr. Doctor by subscribing in your favorite podcast app or by following us on Facebook at Dr. Doctor Show.